going into my basketball. Every time I rock, man, this is how we rap around. Peace to my man. Now we got the camera out. Every time I spit it, cross over the all right. Hello, everyone. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into the 49th episode of the TLY Talks podcast. Special announcement. The 50th episode has also been finished. Like, it's still, like, editing in the works and all that. And it's going to be, like, a special one that I'll be dropping soon. So I'll keep you uh, more updated on that. But, you know, we're still going to go on with episode 49 uh, right now. You could, as mentioned, you know, you could, like, check it out, like, on all platforms. YouTube, Buzzsprout, Spotify, much more Apple Podcasts. Etc. You know, and you know, we're just gonna get it started uh, right now. I could definitely say that 2023 has been his year and all that. He's a rapper, artist, and creative in the East End of Toronto, Scarborough, Durham, to be exact, and all that. Has opened up the likes of uh, Ram Reynolds and much more. You know, it's a pleasure to say this, and you know, we have Vile Merc in the building. You know, Vile, how are you doing today, man? Yo, what's good, yo? Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, I could definitely say that. You know. You're like the rookie of the year, like for this year and all that, you know, like just uh, with, you know, your brand and like, you know, seeing you all over the city and all that, you know, opening opening up for like Ram Riddles and all that. And like we just like talked earlier and all that. And the first time that I've noticed this recognition was Mm -hmm. from my guy Lonely Boy and all that, because we did like an interview, I think back in February and March. And he said your name and all that, you know, for artists to like definitely like tap into and all that. And yeah, Lonely Boy. (laughs) Yeah, and um, my girl, uh, Karen, you know, just told me more about you and all that, you know, and just kind of made it work and all that. And, like, I was, like, like listening to the music, Debris, you know, I kind of like the creativity and the sound within that project, too. And, like, you know, the other singles uh, that you've had as well, too. And we'll definitely discuss more about it, you know, so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Appreciate that. And almost definitely, man. So, you know, I did, like, some research and all that for the most part, too. And you actually grew up in Scarborough and Durham. So, like, where did you uh, grow up in those ends? And, like, what were, like, the environments like for you growing up? Would you say you had a great childhood or was it, like, different? Yeah, I mean, it was it was dope. I mean, I was back and forth from Scarborough and Durham since, like, like young, young, you know? <clears throat> Started out in Scarborough, then moved to Pickering, then moved back to Scarborough, then moved currently. I'm, I'm in Ajax now. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, my upbringing, it's been, it's been dope. I had a dope, a dope childhood, nothing I regret, you know, just... Um, you know, six schools in 12 years. So I was always moving around, always having to restart, meet new people, make new friends. And so, you know, I started out as the class clown, but over time moving and moving, having to reintroduce myself, I became more of the quiet guy. I can't yeah. even lie. So, but that's, that's really what it is. And, um, but it comes out on stage and yeah. That's right. My my personality is at this point, you know? Yeah, and almost stuff, man. And, you know, you talked about, like, you know, going to, like, six schools and all that. And it was, like, you know, mainly, like, in, like, the TDSP and in Durham, right? Yeah, yeah. So Both like, regions. Like, what were, like, the differences between going to schools, like, that are, like, TDSP-based and schools that are, like, Durham Region School Board-based and all that? I, sheesh, I don't know difference, but when I was in... <clears throat> When I was in Scarborough, I was like, what, like Midland and Finch. So damn near on the Markham ends of, right in the border end of Scarborough. Um, it's more of an Asian uh, community out there. And so, you know, like, sheesh, I'm, I'm moving from Pickering. I'm six years old. I, I don't know anybody. Everyone's looking at me kind of weird. Everyone wants to touch my hair because I had cornrows up until high school. So I'm just like. I stand out and that's been a recurring theme, you know? Yeah. 
wherever I went, regardless of whatever school board, you know? No, no, regardless, man, because I think, like, even with education, too, like, there is, like, a major difference between, like, the schooling system in a school in Scarborough versus, like, a Pickering or Ajax, too, and all that. So, Mm. but it kind of depends, like, fraud times and all that because of the whole, like, curriculum, like, in the Ontario school board and all that, you know, but it's, like, even in that sense, like, even with uh, music, I know with Scarborough, it has been big throughout music throughout, throughout, like, many years and all that, and then Durham, they've had, like, notable uh, names and all that, um... You know, Boy Wonder, T minus, like much more, and all that. Yeah. Keisha Fresh, Daniel Caesar. Oh, yeah. Um, geez, there's more. There's more. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But like in those areas, growing up, were they big at the time? Just as like industry ends uh, growing up, or just as a community, like at that time? I mean, I wasn't really tapped into the artist community and what they had going on back then. You know, I know in high school, a lot of my friends were trying to rap. And, you know, that I can't lie, that's what influenced me to want to rap. Just kind of seeing everybody post their SoundCloud links here and there. And basically, I, w- I just wanted to be the dopest dude in high school, walking through the hallways, like, with, with, with tracks and whatnot. And oh, that's, that was a big motivation to want to want to do it. It's because, like, man, I know I knew I could rap better than these dudes. <laughs> that was just, you know, just my little ego, but whatever. But, yeah, that's... That's really what it was. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I know that you've talked in, like, some remnants that, you know, you acted out, like, in school and all that, like, at certain times and all that. But, mm-hmm. like, even during that transition from, like, outside of school or, like, even, like, in the home and all that, like, what were you like from the start of birth until, like, adulthood in that sense? Mm. I mean, definitely more more quiet, reserved, you know, just kind of into whatever I'm into. You know, I, I had phases where it was, like, it was martial arts. So I, I was in the taekwondo for a long time. And it was skateboarding. That's something I still do to this day. Um, you know, I had my wrestling phase. So, you know, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Had all the action figures, uh, all the belts, all that stuff, you know. Jeff Hardy, that's one of my biggest inspirations outside of music because he always just promoted just being yourself, just being different. And that different is okay at the end of the day. You don't have to look like the next guy. And honestly, like, shit, you flyer than the rest yeah. of them, you know. Yeah. And so... Yeah, just a kid, just into whatever I was into. You know, music, that was something that was always around because my brother was also a producer. Um, you know, he's he's done his thing and he's got he's got a, a good amount of placements. Um, he worked with the artist named Preem. I think he used to go by yeah. Key Rain back in yeah. the day. Um, he has a song called uh, Palm Trees. He has a Travis Scott feature on. And it's crazy to know that my brother produced that shit, you know? Oh, uh, sure. And so, like, music was always around in the household like a lot of times i just hear like 808s and stuff like in the basement my brother had his old setup and you know people will be coming over to record but my mom's like you can't really go down there and stuff yeah um fl studio always on the family computer and shit like that but i never really got into it until like high school and like really like for myself for myself until high school that's where i refound it and yeah yeah it's just been going ever since then yeah <laughs> Like, I was, like, watching, like, a lot of, like, interviews, too, and all that. And, like, you mentioned that, you know, you were, like, mainly influenced by, like, Kanye, like, Tyler, the creator, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, Pharrell, like, within, like, certain, like, time periods and all that. Yeah, for sure. But even, like, prior to, like, listening to those artists as, like, main influences, like, what did you, like, listen to, like, growing up, like, in that sense, too? Like, um, what was played in the house? Yeah, I mean, what was played in the house, definitely, you know, I'm I'm West Indian, you know, uh, half Jamaican, half Trinidadian. So, it was a lot of Soka, Calypso, Chutney. Uh, played in the household. Um, so that's just what, like, I grew up hearing in the cars, at the barbecues, uh-huh. just whenever my mom was cleaning around, that's what I was just blasted around the house. 
Um, outside of that, you know, when I first got my first MP3 or PSP, um, my brother was the one that was downloading the music for me and stuff. So he's really who, who put me on to like, you know, you know, tracks by like Timbaland and, you know, that I ain't got no money, you know, you know, stuff like, um, I remember listening to, to graduation by Kanye, like as a kid. And I had to refine that as a, in my, in my high school days. Um, but yeah, like champion and, um, even stronger, those are tracks that were on my PSP back then. I was really into like the black eyed peas, um, Daft Punk. So there was always that element of electronic that was always like just kind of within my playlist. And, um, you know, of course, you know, I grew up on like the Chris Brown, the, the Lil Wayne's, the M&M's, but, um, you know, I, I really gravitated towards the different, you know, and yeah, that's, that stuck with me. Yeah, hundred percent too. And, you know, even like for like rapping, uh, producing and like, even like making music and all that, like, I know that, um, you said something that like your brother was like also like a main drive and like getting you into music and all that, but mm -hmm. like on your own, like, how did you like discover like, you know, like rapping, producing, like making music like on, on your own in that sense too? Mm. Well, I have to shout out my friend Jaden, uh, this is like grade nine. He introduced me to Tyler, the creator. He played me the Yonkers video. Um, and he played me songs off Bastard also. And then, you know, you hear that at school and I go home and watch the VMA awards and he wins best new artist of 2011. And, you know, from there I was just hooked. Yeah, I did my research, listened to all the old odd feature mixtapes and, you know, that more than music, that's what got me into just the, the skate culture, just that entire alternative hip hop, just some call it horrorcore, uh, just rage, you know, the, how the shows look really similar to like rock shows. People are pushing each other around and just that energy. That's what that I saw something in that that I wanted to eventually do myself. Yeah. And, you know, same with production, you know, just the way it's the way Tyler, even people like Pharrell, like that's his influence. You know, they they play around with strings and synthesizers and different samples and voxes of their own voice. Yeah. That's just something that stuck in my production. And yeah, I have to say Tyler's the one who really made me want to do this shit for real. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. And, you know, like you already discussed like more about your musical uh, background and history with your brother, like being a producer in that sense too. Uh, but um, like even like at that moment too, like what advice did like your brother uh, give you like in order to kind of make it in the music industry and to be successful and all that? Like I know, like, as you said, he produced uh, Palm Trees with... Prem and like Travis Scott and all right, that yeah. like was there something that kind of like led to continuing like the drive for both you and him in, in that sense too, to kind of make it like within music word with uh when it comes to my brother like he's given me some advice uh it's more things I've had to figure out on my own just just existing within uh you know the community and wanting to achieve my dreams but it's stuff that he's suggested, like finding other avenues within music, like, you know, sync deals and like, you know, grants and all these other opportunities that people don't necessarily um, think of, you know, when trying to get to where they want to be within music. So he's always suggested those avenues to help me out and branch out and have my music be in different places. Like it actually, you know, give me, um, what's it called? Like, uh, income that you don't yeah, got to like, work for. Like a steady like revenue in that yeah, sense. Yeah, too, yeah, 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 you know. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. it's it's mainly that, that type of knowledge. He's always sending me stuff like that to definitely um look into and register for. 
Yeah. Um, production wise, even music wise, he's giving me little tips here and there. Uh, you know, how to quantize beats a bit more better. Um, and stuff like that. But you know, it's mainly like something I wanted to. You know, I know my brother had his own thing going on, but I really wanted to say that hey, I, I, I discovered this, and I didn't have to ride any coattails to get to where I want to be. Yeah. And I think just to like kind of input in that sense, so I feel like family is important, like especially having like a family, like a family member in the music industry mm-hmm. to kind of like guide you for the right steps to like not be like messed over. Because in some cases too, like with friends and other people that might have experienced it, it might be like a different like secondhand knowledge than what a family member would would experience in that sense too. And I feel like like family would have like more of a trusting background than with uh, friends sometimes too. And right. I do feel like. When you do have like someone like a brother, like a brother, sister, cousin, like in the music industry, like they would know at first hand on how the industry is and like how to like even navigate and to kind of not fall through like within certain traps and all that, too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just your brother, like kind of making it like from that specific song. It's like kind of interesting on how he's helping you throughout the way in that sense, too, and to guiding you within the right steps on like what he uh, provided at that time. Right, yeah. It's definitely good having some family. I got a, a cousin who uh she does she did some background dancing I think in a Sean Paul video. Oh, sure. And so, you know, my my family have a you know, a, an uncle that's a DJ also. And so yeah, I guess having family within the industry in any way, shape or form, it definitely it does I do have an advantage, you know. They've they've seen it before, they've they've yeah. been through it and they definitely keep a, an eye out for me and tell me what yeah. to look out for you know yeah, exactly man but you know to even like get more into your background at like mm-hmm. what point did you start to immerse yourself in the Toronto music scene and like start performing from there and all that word um you know one of my first uh I used to go to open concepts before they were at OBJX they were actually at a, a spot called Friday Night Roots and it was um it was on Bathurst close to Bathurst and Dundas a uh, really small, small space. I went there a good two times before COVID happened, just with a couple of homies that were doing music, uh, just to support. I wasn't even going on stage or anything. I was too shy at the point, at that point. But I remember seeing Kari and all them back then. Um, but uh, yeah, just I had always had plans. I actually made a beat and a whole song to specifically perform at Open Concepts when I went the next time. But then COVID hit and everything kind of shut down. Um, and so throughout COVID, you know, we're supposed to be home, it's quarantine, you're supposed to be home, wearing masks, whatever. But I find myself at skate parks, you know, places like, um, like Underpass Skate Park. I find myself at Dunbat, at, right at Dundas and Bathurst. I find myself at, um, Ashbridge's Bay by, uh, by, uh, Woodbine Beach. And, uh, it's a dude named Zargo. I'm not sure if you know him. Oh, yeah. Um, half green hair, half purple hair. You know, uh, he kinda... I've actually seen him at a couple events, too. I think, um, one event that I actually noticed was, um, the NASCAR Allo concert. And I actually shot a vlog a while back, too. And he was, like, actually, like, in the mosh pit uh, for a bit. Just, yeah. like, kind of grinding up uh, for a bit, too. And then, um, the other time that I did notice him was through, uh, my guy, Versailles uh, Vigilante. And they kind of did, like, an interview together and all okay. that, too. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I'm aware of the platform, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like Zargo, he was the one that was like, he was organizing these events by himself, putting out flowers by himself, getting people, his whole, his whole, like everybody around him just yeah. to pull up to whatever skate park he's at and just perform, just rock out. And that energy, um, 
I, I honestly just walked up to him one time. I was like, yo, yo, Zargo, can I rock for two tracks? And he let me perform for my first time ever at a skate park just on a park bench. And, you know, since then, like, you know, it's, he got some friends doing like DJ stuff at like pep rally and stuff. He's got other friends that, you know, are continuing to make music him himself. And um, yeah, that was my first ever like live performance. And then from there on, I met a dude named Freddie Fame. Um, a lot of artists know of him throughout the community. Um, and yeah, he, he gave me an actual opportunity to perform in Toronto, Hamilton, uh, Ottawa, you know, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that connection for real. And uh, he also blessed me with my first ever interview. And so just, uh, that, that's all like 2020, 2021. Um, and then I find open concepts again at OBJX and that's the community that I'm now more associated with. Um, that's kind of where I met a whole lot of people that I've been making a whole lot of dope music and creating a whole lot of dope stuff with ever since. Nah, true. Nah, it's interesting too. And I, like, I've heard about the whole, like, Freddie Famous situation too on, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, he's been doing, like, a lot for a lot of people in the city. And I think just, like, even with the whole, like, showcase industry, industry too and all that, because mm -hmm. that's, like, something that you really don't notice it at first hand too, like, with them, like, providing events, like, all over, like, Canada and all that too, because... You know, you're not just performing in Toronto, but, you know, they're getting artists to perform in Ottawa, Montreal, Vancouver. Right, right. You know, Edmonton, Calgary and all that. And it's, it's like, interesting to, like, build, like, a fan base from there because mm -hmm. it's not only, like, Toronto artists performing, but, like, Ottawa, Montreal, like, a whole lot of other, like, artists too. And it's, like, kind of, like, interesting to see, like, in that sense too, you know, so. Yeah, you know, more than the opportunity to perform, it's a dope opportunity to to connect and, you know, that that allowed me to connect with people from all over. You're saying like Ottawa, Hamilton, like that's all through that one opportunity. And, you know, it, it's dope getting to show what you're all about, put all of what you've been, you know, creating in your room, whatever, put yeah. that out there on stage and being able to then, you know, collaborate with others that want to, you know, they want a bit of that energy as well. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for that for real. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just getting into like uh, part two uh, right now, Um, I know that you've already talked about your creative process uh, before in the past too, but um, mm. what would like a day in the studio be like for you in that sense? Jeez, day in the studio. Jeez, we're either, a lot of times I'm with my homie Wes, you know, we're at Loud Studios and uh, we're just, uh, we're cooking up a lot of times from scratch. And um, yeah, together, it's kind of like a co-production sort of thing where maybe I'll put the 808, I'll put the kick or whatever, but, you know, he's more on the samples. Um, say we got a beat, and I start writing. I, a lot of times I would I would write at home, you know, because I felt more comfortable tapping in at home. Uh, I feel like I'd be able to express certain thoughts that I wouldn't necessarily at the studio, but just being at Loud Studios for, like, over the past year and a half, you know, I, I've become more comfortable writing on the spot. And so, you know, a day at the studio is literally a beat playing on loop, and me just trying to get those ideas off. You know, once I get those ideas off, then I got I got to get in the booth and just kind of feel it out on the mic, which is a entirely different experience. Um, she's some some stuff that goes on in the studio is just always being open to to new ideas, different suggestions. I'm never not open to it. You know, if it's dope, it's dope, and that's what I'll lead with. I'm I'm more open to collaboration now than ever. You know, I spent all the COVID at home making my last project, uh, Debris. And so just being in a space where I can get other 
other uh, other ideas and other suggestions from other people, and um, it makes for dope, dope yeah. music. Yeah, and no, almost definitely, man. And like I know some people like in the studio, they kind of have, like you know like rituals or like kind of like settings they try to have like for the studio to make it like more mm. lit and all that, or you know more accommodating to be at the comfort zone. So it's like you know they'll put a candle on or some mm. like they'll change the lighting and all that. Some yeah. people would have like you know like a no like person policy to not have like many people in the studio. Others, you know, would like try different things like liquor or like weed and all that. Mm. So I don't know like how your rituals are like in the studio and all that. And like, how do you make the best experience to having a comfortable space? Like when recording. Most comfortable space. I mean, just, just being locked in, you know, with, with me and, uh, me and Wes, once we're locked in, it's like, oh. There really aren't no outside distractions. You know, ritual, I mean, sheesh, you know, lighting and stuff, setting the vibe for sure. But it's not like no, like, dark twisted fantasy sessions where you got to come in a suit and tie. You can't tweet about it. You can't, you can't, first rule of Fight Club is not talk about Fight Club. It's not like that or anything. Uh, true, true. But um, eventually that's the type of vibes I do want to curate, though. I do want to curate something that's like, yo, we're all in here for one purpose is to make dope music. So yo, come come decked out in a specific fit. We're on a certain type of vibe, and yeah, that's something I want to do for my next album for real. Ah, uh, true, hundred <laughs> percent too. And I know that you have your own project out right now. I think it was like more like released like a while back. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's like uh, debris. And um, you know, to speak more about that, like what was like the creative process and inspiration for it? She's debris. That's like that's my baby. You know, like fourteen tracks. Um, that, that took four years to make, you know, starting out with like Brother Man and Sabotage. That's like 2018, 2019 stuff. And so, and that still made the cut because that was kind of like, that was kind of like the, the template for Debris was for things to be as dope as Brother Man and be as dope as Sabotage. And so I kind of, I kind of delved within that world. I used the same drum kits for the entire, the entire project, you know, just taking inspiration by you know, cats like Pharrell that, you know, they, they manipulate like cats like Pharrell and, and Timbaland, you know, they, they definitely take the same sounds and manipulate them, twist them really just, you know, twist that knob and make it sound different, but it's still within a, a consistent world. And so that's kind of what I did with Debris. It's a lot of consistent sounds, reoccurring sounds. Um, she, Debris was like journal entries, you know, like it's a breakup album. It's a, it's a heartbreak album. It's just a lot of stuff going wrong in life. You know, I've been at my my lowest points while creating that. And like, it was really like journal entries, like while going through it up until the point that that relationship was over, you know, and it, it uh, it's real, it's real, it's, it's relatable. It's like, it's stuff off there that, you know, you listen to and it's like, I've been through that. And, um, you know, just production wise, you know, it's like, it's certain eras of my, my idols that I definitely wanted to project throughout that. It's like, it's heavy on the Yeezus era of Kanye with the, with the, just the electronic and uh, trap fusion and stuff like that. You know, it's like, it's stuff that I'm playing around with basses. I'm playing around with strings, you know, definitely, definitely taking a nod to like albums like Wolf and Cherry Bomb by Tyler, the creator, you know, that's the stuff that raised me for real. And, uh, just uh and honestly just doing my own thing you know while expressing something that's actually real because like you know that album i i started creating that right after i dropped out of college in in uh in 2018 and um 
it's one of those things where like, you know, I've been making music since 2015. I, I had like two mixtapes just made off of tight beats, you know, a lot of like Mac Miller, Vince Staples, Schoolboy Q type beats. Yeah. So I was really on that dark end of things. But, you know, being able to put something out that was entirely produced by myself, that uh, that makes me want to perform it with a certain type of energy because it's like, yo, this yeah. is me. Like, I have nothing to hide. Like, this is, you know, just putting everything out there is... It's it's relatable yeah. and it, it's it's digested better than if you're just trying to sound nice, you yeah. know. When you're actually talking like facts, you're actually speaking from the heart. You don't gotta sound nice, but it's just the way that you put your words together and what you say and your messaging. And yeah. So that's what debris is to me. That's my baby. Yeah, and no, almost definitely. <laughs> and then I mean, you said like you also had like another project uh, out as well too. So it was actually I think uh, not a dumb kid and all that. Yeah. And, you know, before we get into the whole like, creative process and inspiration for that, um, you could only like find that like on YouTube and SoundCloud, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why wasn't it like not like on Spotify or like Apple Music at the time? Yeah, I tried, but you know, just samples and stuff. Oh, so I true. figured, I figured, uh, ideally, I would love it for for it to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that was my first ever self-produced project. It was it's more of a mixtape for oh, real. True, true. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, that was a major accomplishment for myself because that was me saying, hey, no more tight beats, no more having to credit producers at the end of my song titles. Um, it was uh, it was just me trying to experiment and just like taking a major step forward and to being an independent artist that really, you know, I mixed and mastered that myself. It, it's terrible, like it, quality compared to yeah. what I'm doing now, but yeah. just to say I, I was... I was the mastermind behind all that. Uh, yeah, not a dumb kid. I mean, the name was spawned off of people doubting me, you know? Just people want to... It's situations where people ask you for advice and then you give, them, you give them a right answer, but they don't really take what you have to say that seriously. So they'll ask the next person the exact same thing. And when that same person says the exact same thing I said, now they feel validated to make whatever decisions. So I'm just like, wait, I wasn't good enough? And so that, that was the whole thing with Not A Dumb Kid was, you know, telling people, hey, I am good enough. And, you know, it has a lot of similar themes to Debris. That's kind of like the Debris baby in a way, because it has a lot of similar themes with relationships that I was going on before that. But um, I feel like Debris was... uh what I wanted to do with Not A Dumb Kid, but way more executed with a bit more, um, just more, more skill, more, yeah. more sharpening of my blade and my craft. And yeah, yeah, you know, four years down the line, you know, things sound bigger. It sounds more stadium. And, yeah. But yeah, Not A Dumb Kid, that's something that, you know, is also special to me. You know, Debris and Not A Dumb Kid have a, a common theme and like, it has it just having it being related to my mother, you know, uh, the cover of Not A Dumb Kid is literally like a, a Happy Mother's Day little poster that I did in grade two. And um, I was wearing like a Yao Ming Houston Rockets yeah. jersey and it just fit like because he's number 11, 11 tracks. So that, that yeah. just that just fit. And then Debris, that's also kind of named after my mom. Her name's Deborah Brisbane. So I kind of just took the first three letters, last three letters and kind of put that together. But in in a way, um, it's also a reference to the movie, uh, the movie, or just the the show series Lost, because um, you know, with songs like Shrapnel and Debris, 
Those are those are words that I heard in the very first episode of the very first season. Um, so it's a lot. It's all over the place for real. But yeah, yeah just well. those are my two projects. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just to like even like clarify uh, for a bit too. Um, you've uh, watched uh, Lost like before, right? Like you know, many times and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, definitely. Like, how was that? You know, interest like you know, like even like watching that TV show and all that too, because I know it had like you know like an interesting theme that was like different from like any show from a televised like network like you know like within abc cbs like mm-hmm. nbc and all that um so like what did you uh like like about that show in that sense too that show is my favorite show series of all time you know and it's it's crazy how i came across it was being on family vacation in trinidad so i'm watching this show about an island and i'm seeing it for the very first time on an island yeah. away from home a place that i had to fly to so i guess it connected from an early age way way more than anything I've ever really watched. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so exciting. You know, I'll rewatch it. I got, you know, every now and then I'll go to Value Village and I have the first four seasons on DVD now. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to finish the collection. Um, but yeah, like the first episode, because um, the plane just crashed and there's a piece of shrapnel in the pilot's stomach that, you know, Jack is trying to get out. And, you know, they mentioned debris just you know, pieces of metal falling from the sky. That's the energy behind shrapnel that yeah. I wanted to bring out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that show is amazing. Yeah. Because like, I think, you know, f- you know, even like just like getting onto like TV right now, there are like a lot of like TV shows that do have like an interesting uh, vibe to it. You know, Sopranos, uh, Oz, The Wire, Breaking Bad, um, mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones and all that. And like they became like, cults like household names for like people to watch like at home and all that and to just kind of enjoy life and to kind of like display like many themes and many topics that you know we never talk about like today and all that like you know sopranos you know they have like more of a psychological approach um mm. with oz it's like more like sociological you know with the wire it's all like in between and all that and like even with these new shows you know breaking bad mm. you know more psychological and all that you know like the game of thrones like more anthropological and all that, you know, more sociological and then like even like Walking Dead, you know, like all in between, like in that sense too and all that. So it kind right. of brings like the interest out of like everyone to watch and like tune in in that sense too, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. Like I like I like a bunch of those shows too, actually. <laughs> no, yeah. Likewise, man. And, you know, once those like projects like have uh, dropped, you know, like what was like that impact like for like, you know, both like Debris and Not a Dumb Kid, like when it was like finally released to the public, was were the people that gave like their thoughts about it like when they heard like those albums like in their entirety? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely more more so with debris because um that that came out while I was within the Toronto space. Uh, not a dumb kid. I was I was just a kid uh, posting links on on like Twitter and stuff like that. You know, not I was I never really left my house, <laughs> but um, I guess I was more tapped into like the United States in like just kind of being an internet cat and kind of, so I, I met a lot of friends online uh, around the time of not a dumb kid with debris. It was dope. Cause I had a whole listening party uh, at Boombox, just the spot on, uh, on college street. Um, it was sick. You know, I'm taking inspiration from all those Donda listening parties, life of Pablo listening parties. I just wanted to play the music for people so they could have a very, so they could just experience it live, you know, and um, it was a dope turnout. It was a dope turnout. You know, I had Mr. Clutch doing wings. You know, I had my homegirl 
uh, Emily doing uh, the DJing. I had Bucky emceeing. And so it was kind of like a, a family affair, you know, just having everybody around. The entire OBJX community came out, showed support. You know, it was packed. And, um, you know, I, that's one of my biggest accomplishments, you know, of last year, I'll definitely have that's to true. say. Yeah. Yeah, no, nah, likewise, man. And, you know, to even speak about, like, this new accomplishment, like, right now and all that, you know, you opened up with, like, the legendary, like, Ram Riddles, you know, known for Sweeterman, mm -hmm. you know, for, like, Dem Calling, like, much more and all that. Yeah. And, like, how did you even, like, manage to open up uh, for that artist at, like, Lee's Palace, like, last month? And, like, tell me more about that experience, you know, performing at that legendary venue and the impact that it had for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's crazy. Uh, just to start off with, that was, like, it was wild. And, you know, I'm not sure how other people feel about, like, you know, reoccurring dates and stuff like that. But it's like, if I told you August 17th, 2015, I see Earl Sweatshirt live at the Phoenix. I leave with, I leave that venue with my homie. I'm like, yo, I got to be on that stage someday. I really want to do this shit. If I told you eight years to the day, I'm opening up for Ram Riddles at Lee's Palace. You know, I feel like it's written, bro. Yeah. It's like something that like, it's it's some it's it's something bigger than this, you know what I mean? And uh, it, it's no it's no way it's no coincidence. Um, but yeah, just opening up for Ram Riddles. Um, he's he's a he's a dope individual. I got to actually speak to him and meet him and stuff like that. Um, my homeboy Wes, who runs uh, Loud Studios, he's been producing for Rams a lot. And uh, my homeboy Raf, he goes by Don't Play Lafu. He's been doing a lot of uh, Ram Riddles as like uh, like like Instagram content. And uh, just kind of shooting videos, VHS footage, BTS, stuff like that. And so, you know, Rams just needed an, an extra opener. And uh, so my, my, my homeboy Wes just uh, basically just suggested me, you, you know, Vile Merc. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that opportunity. You know, it was dope. My first time having a green room. It's my first time having, you know, experiences like, you know, getting off stage and, you know, people coming up to you telling you how dope you did. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's dope. It's dope. You know, yeah. um, yeah, it was man. a packed crowd is the biggest venue I've ever rocked in my life. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. you know, with Lee's palace, like a lot of like well-known artists I've performed at that venue. Um, you know, most, uh, recently, um, like a while back from what I've known, there's this, uh, rapper by like the name of like Xavier Wolf, um, okay. from yeah. like Sesh Hollow Waterboys, mm -hmm. uh, that also like performed there, like some years back and like it was like a dope experience uh, seeing him um there's like a female rapper like from new york named chinese kitty that also performed at that venue too and like a whole like a lot of like other people too and all that yeah um, yeah i know um nirvana did their first uh toronto show if i'm not mistaken at least palace yeah. as well so so i heard that that was dope too so it's like you know <laughs> even like performing at the same stage like that kurt cobain like did some of his songs it's like you know interesting to see and all that and it's uh, something to like, kind of like even manifest even more for like other venues too, and all that you know. So, yeah, this yeah. is just like, it's a it's a dope. It was a really dope opportunity, and I'm grateful for just being able to be on that stage and um, just uh, all the people that came out to see me really be at the highest level and do what I've been dreaming of doing for yeah, like, well. like I said, for the past eight years. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was dope.
Any chance uh, for a Ram Riddles, like Valmerka collapse and all that? Or Hey, yo, who knows? Who knows, you know? <laughs> Likewise, you know, and, um, you know, you have, like, these other, like, singles uh, out too, uh, 747, I think I'm on one, and then Wait, um, mm. and, you know, to speak more about those, what were, like, the creative processes and inspirations uh, for those songs? Yeah, I mean, 747, like, that was, like, the first song that I produced that, I decided to put out on streaming services. Um, funny enough, um, I'm thankful for the teachers I had in high school that were really, you know, they wanted they wanted to help me out, and they seen that I, you know, I had this passion from young. And uh, you know, one of my teachers, actually my Photoshop teacher, um, he saw me playing around on GarageBand, and it's this one computer lab that had nothing but MacBooks or sorry, uh, Mac computers. Um, he let me come in on my lunch break and just mess around on GarageBand. I actually made that on my lunch break, 747. Um, has that little Tyler sample, like, uh, drop it. That's just like a little moment off bastard there. But um, that was like my first song that I really put out just everywhere. You know, I think I'm on one and wait. Those are songs off uh, Not a Dumb Kid. But, oh, true, true. but uh, again, those are songs that a lot of people like today too, you know? So... Yeah, I'm I'm grateful that, you know, my stuff that I was doing back when I was just figuring stuff out, um, really just like the blueprint for the stuff I'm doing now. I'm I'm happy that resonated, too, because a lot of times uh, people bring up, I think I'm on one and, you know, I'm grateful, but it's like, I want you to listen to Debris, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- that's just some of my early work. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, for sure, you know, and like even like from everything from the start of your career until now. Did you feel like you've grown as an artist like in that sense too? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, in a lot of sense, I feel like I kind of touched on it before, but it's like I had the ideas already. I just didn't have the skill or experience to, to be able to actually execute it the way that I, I want to or am now. So there's definitely growth, but there's also reoccurring themes and like the styles and just the ideas that I'm getting off, you know? Yeah, not 100% too. And, you know, like these are like some topics that are like very like interesting to discuss too and all that. But, Mm. you know, with TikTok, you know, that's like the main hub for artists like trying to like use their music to expand within like broader art for broader like audiences, whether it's through dance, whether it's through creative like video content and much more. Mm -hmm. And like in your opinion, do you feel like finding a way to make your music go viral on TikTok is a fair, creative, effective, like, marketing strategy proposal for, like, artists, like, to use in that sense too? Or does it diminish the artistry? I feel like it's both, you know? I feel like you, 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 can, use, you can use it to your advantage, um, but you can also use it in a way that may take away from your brand or from the initial, from your initial identity. Um, it's, a, it's a dope platform to blow up and blow up really, really fast. But it's like, what are you going to do once you have all those eyes watching you? And they want another one and another one and another one. Yeah. So it's a dope platform. I use it myself. I I think I could be a bit more active myself. But again, I want to do things that are within my world. Um, I I know people that blew up on on TikTok and um, they just couldn't take it because there's people always commenting and commenting. And so they off their account when they could have used that as a platform to say, hey, I do this, I do this as well. Or I do this as well. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have deleted mine. I would have kept that. <laughs> no yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm i on both sides of the fence when it comes to TikTok. I'm on both sides of the fence when it comes to AI. 
to yeah, be honest. Exactly. Um, yeah. So it's it's really you have all these all of these platforms, all of these uh, resources at your hand, literally at your fingertips. It's really how you go about it and how you use it. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. I, I mean, with TikTok too, I think it kind of depends on like who your niche and who your audience is going to be and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think with some artists, like they kind of find out like their audience and their demographic like very easily. I think, you know, one example, you know, Coyle Ray and all that, you know, like she knew that there isn't like kind of like an artist that kind of does the whole like Playboy Cardi you know, young rapper, like, type vibe, like, on mm. those accounts. And, right. you know, this is, like, after she released, like, songs like, you know, Big Hoodie and, like, her song with, like, Gunna and, like, Fiddy Wap and all that. And then when she dropped, you know, like, No More Parties, you know, she experiment- she experimented it on TikTok and then it just kind of had, like, a better vibe. She knew, like, the algorithm, the algorithm and, like, knew, like, you know, the duration count. And, like, when that hit, you know, mm. it kind of expanded, like, a little bit further. And I think, like, a lot of our other artists have kind of did that as well too where you know when that short like duration of that hook comes you know that's when people are more active and creative like in that sense too and all the no so mm. the other thing about tiktok though is that you know for, for instance yeet um he he kind of rose to fame off of tiktok in a way in a sense but you know you go to you go to his concert and it's people that only know that like 10 15 seconds you know, so that's a problem that people or artists run into. Uh, even Steve Lacey's running into that as well, you know, where a lot of his fans only know bad habits. But it's like, yeah. you know, he's been around for a long time, you know, with the Internet mm-hmm. and all that stuff as well. And um, so there's, there's pros and cons to it. There's really pros and cons. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, same with like Coilerae too. I mean, people knew her way before TikTok when she was like Trippie Red's uh, girl, girl and all that. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of interesting too to see how some artists are like shown like in that sense too and all that but right. you know we could talk about this like another day as well yeah. too <laughs> but um to get you know onto like other topics uh, right now you know as an artist of your caliber and background how do you like deal with your mental health do you feel like at times it could be like overwhelming in that sense with everything going on or do you know how to like manage it like v- you know like very easily in that sense i mean when it comes to mental health i mean you know being in a space where people People are, bro, people are walking up to you and they know you, yo, you're vile Merc. They, maybe they've seen a clip of me online, maybe just through a story of someone else that they know, a mutual, that posted me and tagged me. And now I'm meeting this person, I'm meeting this person for the very first time in this interaction and stuff like that, being in environments where people know me, but I don't necessarily know them or know them that that well or yeah. anything like that. Um, and, you know, just being aware of the stuff that you post online because, you know, you have a following, you don't want the perception to be kind of twisted. And, you know, it's kind of like you're walking on eggshells sometimes, you know, when it comes to my mental health, you know, a lot of times bro, I just log out. (laughs) I just log out. I got to go off the grid for a little bit just to get back to who I am, you know? Yeah. Um, But, you know, when it comes to, you know, being in my, my, my worst moments, you know, I make some of my greatest music as well. And so that's, that's kind of my outlet as well. That's yeah. kind of what I do to get back in that zone is to really just create and express. Yeah. And, you know, like even like, you know, reducing like social media and that type of stuff too, you know, to kind of like decompress and like, even like, as you said, mm-hmm. like journaling, you know, within music, like they are like better ways to mm-hmm. like even deal with it. And I know for some people, if they're not like, in, it's the whole like music part journaling can also be good like you know just like writing your thoughts on what goes on like every other day and all that like what do you mm-hmm. notice like 
from one day versus like the other and all that. No, so right, right. Sense. I'm also one to just call my friends, you know, or meet up with my friends, just have real deep conversations and yeah. just getting other perspectives on my situation, whatever I'm going through. That really, that really uh, brings me back down to earth and kind of makes me reassured that, you know, I'm not the only one going through what I'm going through. Yeah. I have a solid circle around me and there's people that I can call on when I'm at my, my lowest moments for real. Yeah, exactly, man. Because yeah. like, because I've been through this alone, you know, I've been through it where I didn't have people to call on and, you know, just having a solid circle now, it, uh, it makes some of my, some of those moments where, you know, my thoughts are not where they should be way, way more smoother, I'd have to say. <laughs> hundred percent too. And I think like even like in many situations too, um, you know, it does like really help like a lot in that, in that sense too. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Man. Definitely. Um, you know, how do you even feel about the Toronto GTA Canadian music scene now right now? Like being like an active like artist like within that area at the moment, do you feel that there should be some changes on where the scene should go to, or do you feel like it's gonna be fun the way it is? I think where it's going is dope. I think the talent is dope and it's a lot of people that they're rising right now. You know, you know, Kem Dillo's doing his thing, you know, EM Lord's doing his thing, you know, like Rax is doing her thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a lot going on. A lot of people are taking those next steps, you know. Speedy's doing his thing. Oh, true. Um, and so like we have a solid community, we have a solid foundation, and it's really not what maybe the states might view of us. It's it's really not just six buzz, you know what I'm saying? It's really yeah. not just a certain niche, a certain type of artist out here. It's it's really, it's everything that you want. It's kind of like the people that say that hip hop is dead, but no, you just got to go, go look for that album. You just got to go look for what you actually want. And it's out there in Toronto, yeah. it's, it's thriving and the community is getting larger. Yeah. And so I think we're in good hands. Yeah, I think we're in good hands. And I think, like, you know, that whole, like, idea of the whole Toronto Underground thing, too, because with people, like, outside of the city and, like, other stuff, too, they assume the Toronto Underground is, like, you know, like, the street rappers and all that, too, with Pressa, uh, Robin Banks, you know, Doovie, like, all these other people, too, but there's a whole, like, different mm-hmm. underground, you know, in that sense, too. And I feel like the main, like, situation going on right now is that, you know, there is, like, a lot of, like, click type stuff and all that, you know, based on, like, different communities and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll have, you know, your mainstream underground artists. You have your mainstream street underground uh, artists and all that. Your underground, underground artists, too, and all that. And it's, like, it's an amalgamation of, like, clicks rather than this whole idea of, like, coming together, like, in that sense, too. And mm-hmm. I feel like, do you ever feel like it might come to a whole agreement when everyone, like, starts, like, collaborating, collaborating with each other instead of just, like, being, like, clicked up and all that? I feel like, well, that's kind of how it is in general within within the music industry. You know, you have your different scenes. You got, yeah. you got like, the rap that comes from Atlanta. You got the rap from Detroit. You got yeah. the rap that's more East Coast, more traditional-based. But, like, there's a space for everything and for all of us to thrive, you know? Yeah, true. Um, I, I will say the spaces that I'm a part of the communities that I'm a part of, I feel like our voice is getting louder. Oh, uh, you know, when that point does come, I feel like we're about to make a lot of noise. Um, you know, because it's it's way more than what's already um, what's already out there and what people kind of know Toronto yeah. for. Um, and you know, myself, I want to be part of that leadership. I want to be part of that. Yeah. You know, just to take Toronto to the next step and yeah. just to 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 wider and broaden the audience. And show that yo like 
it's really no limits here and it's no no boundaries to what you can create and yeah. it's definitely uh an audience for that as well yeah not nah, sure and we just have like these like final questions uh for a bit too um so like i would say like say this for like every other other artist and all that but like name free songs in your catalog that you would recommend for any person that has not heard about you before or that would like to know like more about you in that sense mm. okay I'd have to say Brother Man off Debris. I'll have to say Shrapnel also off Debris. And then I have to say Reina. It's actually a new song um, that I put out where I'm actually rapping in, in, in Tagalog, which is the, the language speaking in the Philippines. Um, it's got elements of... Uh, just that sort of Latin, sort of Bad Bunny oh, uh, with the production. And then it's got elements of like drill. It's got elements of trap. Um, and yeah, I'm rapping in a whole other language. So that was something that's, yeah, kind of a, a milestone within my creativity as well. I feel like, yeah, definitely yeah. check out those three. Not 100% too. And do you have any regrets or do you re like regret nothing like in that sense too? I don't think I have any regrets, you know? I feel like every choice I've made led me here, you know, good or wrong, good or bad. I feel like, you know, it's all part of my story. It's all part of, it's all part of that, that documentary series. It's all part of that, it's all part of that uh, biopic that we are live from uh -huh. right now, you yeah. know? We're just at the underdog part. And so, yeah, I got no regrets. Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, do you mean like closing remarks you'd like to say and where they could like follow you on social media? Yeah, um, I just want to say Debris out now, uh, Afro Tagalog out now. You know, it's Vile Merck. That's V-I-L-E-M-U-R-K everywhere on, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You know, Vile, you know, it was a pleasure like tapping in on all, and all that, you know. No, and thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure. <laughs> and we'll definitely have you all back on again to discuss more stories and all that and like a lot of stuff, you know. And you know, this is Josh, also known as Yashu, episode 49 of TLY Talks. Already explained this like pretty earlier. You can get this like on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Buzzsprout, much more. Episode 50 also uh, dropping soon too. That's already done. And you know, that's all I got to say right now. Josh, also known as Yashu, episode 49, the legendary Vile Merc, TLY Talks, signing off.